You are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover. A show where two friends chat about books and reading with another book lover, and we've learned that book lovers are super cool and interesting. And in fact, I sort of think about our show as like Terry Gross's fresh air, but with book lovers. And not as good. And not as good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Come on. <laughs> we are not Terry Gross. We can aspire, can't we? <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That <laughs> might just want to temper uh, people's expectations <laughs> when they listen to this. <laughs> so we are your hosts, Amy. And I'm Carrie. And our other tagline is a hellscape of Carrie's long-term shingle side effects and dealing with teenagers and young adult children who do stupid things. But yes. we, I can't tell any of those secrets. But Oh, I can totally tell one of mine because he's 13. He had a friend over on Friday and his thing, which is a total, totally normal middle school thing, wanted to stay up all night long. And so he did stay up all night long and all day yesterday. And then... Well, it's stupid to stay up all night because then what happened was, so he fell asleep at six o'clock PM. We woke him up to eat dinner. He came downstairs. He kind of looked at us funny and then he laid his head on the table. And then I said, look, you've got two choices. You can either eat dinner or you can just go to bed. And he didn't say a word. He got up, walked upstairs, went to bed and he slept from six o'clock last night until eight o'clock this morning. And I, I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that stupid, but you couldn't pay me to stay up all night. I'm like, eh, forget <laughs> it. I know my daughter said, would you do it for a million dollars? I'm like, okay, for a million dollars, I would stay up all night, but nobody would want to be around me. So yeah. Anyway. In fact, we have a term in my house. You know how there's the term hangry that people use, like yes. when you're hungry, angry. Well, in my house, it's slangry. It's sleep angry. <laughs> I get sleep angry. Oh, I do too. I get, nobody I'm wants more to deal often with me. slangry than I am hangry. Yes, me too. Actually, yeah. yeah. So this week we are all about sitting back, relaxing by the pool or your backyard and losing yourself in a good book. And yes, we are talking about summer reading. So Sam Miller, our favorite bookseller from Carmichael Books here in Louisville, Kentucky, is joining us this week to tell us all about some books to check out this summer season. We always love having Sam on the show. She's just a treasure trove of book recommendations and she's a ton of fun. But before we get around to talking to Sam, what happened to you this week, Carrie? So you wrote me into, as as you are wont to do, uh, wrote me into the Speed Reading Book Club. And I do enjoy that because of the melding of books and art. I am not a art person. Like if I go to another city, I'm not going to go to an art museum as a general rule. That's not going to be one of the first places I go. Now, part of that is because I'm traveling with my children and they won't go to an art museum. So I feel like I should say that. But the book we read was The Confessions of Catherine de' Medici. And it had taken forever for me to get it from the library. And so I was only about 30% done with the book when we had the book club yesterday, which was actually good because sometimes if I've read the book and I have opinions about it, I just talk too much. And so it was kind of nice because I hadn't read the whole book. I felt like I really shouldn't say anything. So it was nice to just sit back and listen and not 
run my chops the whole time. And then the, Shannon, the moderator of the book club, always brings in art, you know, something that's from the Speed Museum. And there is an exhibit there that's beautiful. You and I are trying to make plans to go see it, but it's paper creations, historical gowns and, and costumes from paintings that Isabel de Borchgrave has recreated using paper. Which, which is amazing. Amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, Shannon showed us pictures and if they look that amazing as a picture, I can't imagine what they're going to look like in person. So I'm very excited to do that with you. It's just trying to find a time. Last week when we talked, I was bogged down with all these books that I had to get finished this week. And I had said that I wasn't even going to be able to get to the Speed Museum book. And actually, I did get to it. I got about 40% of the way through before the meeting. So you say I roped you in, but you were going, and then I felt pressure that I needed to read the book and go. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you roped me into even doing it to begin with, like whenever I started doing it. The the original roping in. Yes. Oh, well, now okay. that I'm there, I enjoy it. And, you know, you are like, the zoo and the speed and the, you know I'm like ah. and then you do the the YA book club with some of our other members of our book club like okay my quota is two I cannot go any more than two and the only reason I can do the speed is because they only meet every two months so I can manage that usually yeah the YA one that one is totally loose and we have a book that <laughs> I still haven't read yet we haven't set a date for when we're meeting. I don't think anybody has e even started it yet. So we might slow down on that a little bit now that our restrictions have loosened up and it's summer and people are going to be busier. But yes, that was good. It's amazing that these clothes are made of paper. They hand paint all the paper and then, I don't know, like you would never guess that it's paper. Now, I haven't seen it in person. I've just seen the pictures at this point, but uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And if you're in the Louisville area, you should definitely... Try to go see that exhibit. Well, you know what I did this week? Uh, caught up in your reading. I, yes, although I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really caught up. But you talked about you went and did the orientation to be a volunteer at the Rosewater Bookstore here in South Louisville, which is a nonprofit bookstore that benefits the South Louisville Community Ministries. And I said that I thought that I had a uh, orientation this week, which I did, but I've won up to you because I've already volunteered <laughs> for a shift. I did a, it's not really a one-upping. We're not really one-upping. I'm just teasing you. But I did a shift this Saturday. It was super fun. I really enjoyed it. That's cool. I had intended to come down there and visit you because I, you know, just if nothing else to lend moral support, but I took a nap. So Sorry. Sorry, I didn't get there to go. Yay, Amy. No, that's okay. I was only there two hours and I mainly just worked on my computer most of the time. I, mean, I did have some customers in, but you know, they, for the most part, knew what they were looking for, didn't really need my help. But it was kind of fun just to hang out in a used bookstore. I love used bookstores and I got to shelve some books. Somebody had been shelving some of the YA books in the adult fiction area, which is just not okay with me. So I took those out and then I put them over in the YA and then I felt much better about everything. And the next time that person works, they'll go, who moved all these books over here? You may, the next time you work, go in and find that everything you've moved has been moved back. And then I guess at that point you can put as, as our hellscape, the disagreement over books and what okay but i am right <laughs> i am correct 
<laughs> they, they can move them back, but they're wrong about where those books go. That's all I can say. So. Oh, shoot. Okay. Well, I think that it is time to talk about summer reading. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do okay. it. Hi, Sam. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. It's our favorite bookseller, Sam Miller, here to join us to talk about summer reading. So nice featuring. to be here again. Thank you. Sam, I want to hear about Carmichael's. Are things going to go kind of back to normal for the bookstore? What's going on with that now that they're going to be lifting the mask mandate? How are things looking over there? Special announcement from the CDC for book lovers. Shop at Carmichael's and listen to this podcast. <laughs> In answer to your question, yes, we are trying to pivot back to a little bit more normal, whatever that's going to look like. We're happy to host our first in-person event at the end of May, on May 25th. Our bookseller, Brooke, has her first YA debut coming out, so she has offered to be the first event. So we're happy and excited for her and happy to be back in our event space, which functioned nicely as a warehouse space during the pandemic which was a blessing because I honestly don't know where all those online orders would have physically gone had we not expanded the store before COVID. So thank goodness for that. Um, we're also expanding hours. We have some new staffers. So yes, in all of those aspects, things are feel like they're getting back to normal. We are still requiring masks though. That switch up about the masks in Kentucky and countrywide kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, I think. I haven't been watching as closely as I had been during the height of the pandemic to all these announcements. So I was a little surprised that we were there already because I thought there'd, I don't know, be confetti or, I don't know, a parade. <laughs> or maybe like a gradual <laughs> thing, like Thursday at one o'clock, mask, and Thursday at two o'clock, no mask. You know, like, what? Exactly. What? Yeah. It was a bit abrupt. Um, but for now, we're still asking people to wear masks, whether they're vaccinated or not, just for our own protection. And also because we actually have a whole store whose customer base cannot be vaccinated because we have a children's store. And it seems very unfair to us to have some people be able to unmask and other people have to mask. So for right now, if, please, if you're coming to visit us in the store, and we hope you do, you still need to have a mask on. Yeah. Well, so. I want to say, yay, Carmichael survived the pandemic yes, yes. of 2020. Yes. Thank and you to all our supporters who uh, supported us, bought things online again and again and again and again, <laughs> including my, these two lovely ladies hosting this podcast and kind messages of support we got. Gifts dropped off on the doorstep, you know, attaboys and girls for all the hard work and for people who appreciate, you know, how much of a toll it's taken. So that is all appreciated. And uh, kudos to the owners who were able to quickly pivot. So, yes, it is good news that we were able to not only survive, but actually thrive. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about some summer reads. Yes. So when this airs, it should be right around Memorial Day, the beginning of the summer vacation season. <laughs> season. Everybody is so excited to go on vacations because we couldn't travel for so long. So tell us some books that are kind of buzzy this summer season. We can start with any genre you want. Well, starting in literary fiction, a couple that I'm really looking forward to are things that I think people should know about. A little bit maybe off the radar. One called The Other Black Girl by Zakaya Dahlia Harris. It comes out at the beginning of June. It's being described as get out means the devil wears Prada. Oh. So it's set in the publishing industry, which booksellers always love too. <laughs> um, 
There was also a new one called All's Well by Mona Awad. She wrote a book a couple years ago called Bunny, which was very dark. Uh, this one's also very dark. It's about a woman who is a theater producer, and she's trying to put on a Shakespeare play, but she's also kind of having a little bit of a medical issues, and her cast is fighting her because they want to do Macbeth, but she wants to do All's Well That Ends Well, and then three mysterious strangers who may or may not be the witches oh, show up. cool. It, it has a really fantastic, I've not read it yet, but it has a fantastic cover of the drama mask made with uh, pharmaceutical pills, which I think is pretty great. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to that one. That sounds like that's up your alley. We had another guest talk about Bunny. Talk about how yeah, strange it was. Bunny was, yeah. yeah it was Bunny the, was a piece of work. Yep. I think if you like Darkly Funny, and I know you do, Carrie. I do. I, that, I do. That's a good book for you. Cool. Also of note that was something we really were happy to see at Carmichael's, uh, McSweeney's, the humor and also nonprofit. They teach writing, all sorts of things. They have a new series out. They're illuminating 20th century black authors that whose books may have gone out of print. Oh. It's called Out of the Diaspora. There's two new ones, Tragic Magic by Wesley Brown and Praise Song for the Widow by Polly Marshall. And the, it's going to be an ongoing series. So not even necessarily African-American authors, but it could be Afro-Caribbean authors, but things that have been out of print and need to be re- rediscovered, they're trying to get those back in front of people. And they're beautiful, gorgeous editions. So are these we were the happy first to have two? Those. Or, they are. Okay. Could they be like 10 years out of print? Yeah, I mean, I think old, these two old. are like 70s, 80s. Okay. So it's not like 1700s or that old. Okay. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's older things that people might not have heard about that hopefully modern audiences would be hungry to rediscover. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Very cool. And also some are, you often think paperbacks, especially if you're going on a trip. And I would point out that lots of big fiction bestsellers from the past few years are finally available in paperback. Or the Crawdads Sing, for example, if you're one of the three people that have not read it, <laughs> it's now available in paperback, which booksellers everywhere were very excited because it seemed like every day someone would ask, is this in paperback? <laughs> and it finally is. Uh, but also uh, The Giver of Stars, the Jojo mm-hmm. Moyes, and Hamnet, the Maggie yeah, O'Farrell is out in paperback finally. Beautiful. So those are great things to stick in your travel bag. Awesome. Absolutely. I loved Hamnet. All right. So I'm totally, totally excited that that uh, All's Well book can't wait all right so hit us with another let's talk about historical fiction okay and let's talk about about we are just let's let sam drive (laughs) the whole rest of the show you tell us where we're going let's talk about the trend in historical fiction for uh, women's stories which is fantastic which i'm all for but let's talk about the covers and how each of them have a woman and it's an illustration it's a woman and you she's facing away from you yes What's that about? Again and again and again. And I took photos for you guys so I can show oh, you okay. a, a collection of these. Because <laughs> once you see them all together, you'll see, oh my gosh, it's all of them. And I think it's, from a design point, I guess it's kind of brilliant. Because it even without reading the flap or the back, you know, oh, this looks like that other book that I read and enjoyed. <laughs> this is So I'm going to get this one. If you are a reader who's admitted enjoying those, there's more of those for this summer. Okay. Mm. Okay. And, and I'm not meaning to knock them. I've read and enjoyed many of them. Uh-huh. I've just It's a trend you notice as you're unpacking boxes and you're yes. like, oh, this one looks exactly like this one, which looks like this one, which looked like the one before. Yeah. I mean, I could see the brilliance of that because you, not everybody has Goodreads and has like a list of 400 books and they can just get their phone. But I guess, you know, people could be like, oh, I want this book. I definitely I think there's it. trends and covers because yes. I, not so much with historical fiction, but like if I am looking for sort of a quirky, charming, feel-good story, 
the where'd you go Bernadette, that type of cover that's mm. sort of illustrated like bright colors mm-hmm. kind of i say poppy that's not really a word yes but, but not pop- necessarily symmetrical image yes right I know, there's I know. like a whole grouping of books that are like that and i will often pick up those thinking oh that's that type of book and there was a big floral trend in 2020 yeah. as well of all different sorts and it wasn't even necessarily in one genre but just floral that was an mm-hmm. earmarker for what kind of book was inside. Right. So yes, covers are definitely a thing. I remember, because I've been a bookseller for a long time, there was the shoe covers that were super popular yeah. for a while because <laughs> yeah. it started with like the little Balzac and the Chinese oh, seamstress the the with the little red shoes on the yes. cover. And then like everybody had shoes on the cover and it would be like, maybe it was men's shoes if it had a male protagonist or maybe it was women's shoes. And then, then it kind of pivoted to other inanimate objects. Like <laughs> this one has a suitcase and this one has a vase. <laughs> So yes, it's fun to notice the trends. We all know, because we're serious readers, that we shouldn't judge the book by its cover. But for people who like uh, historical fiction with female protagonists, there's lots more to discover and enjoy this summer. Cool. There's also one, speaking of that, she's facing towards you, but you don't get to see her face. So it's kind of like part of that, what we were talking about, but not really. There's a fun one called The Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. And it's like World War II meets the Great British Bake Off. Yes, this sounds like one for so, me. That sounds totally like a summer read for I me. thought that. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like, you know, a, a nice comforting read, especially if you love that kind of uh, unplugging with that show. Uh, and for those of you who like your historical fiction large and possibly able to double as a doorstop or a children's <laughs> booster seat, um, Edward Rutherford has a new book called China. Uh, which oh, is about wow. China during the 1800s, during the first Opium War. So, maybe that'll be your tone no, for next year. No, no, no. Carrie says no. No. In sci-fi, um, for those of you who are huge Martian fans, Andy oh. Weir has a new book out, mm-hmm. also space setting. Semi-funny. Speaking of covers and reading covers, uh, the blurbs on it seem to indicate that most people did not find his second book all that compelling because oh. every single blurb skips over that the fact that there was a second book entirely and says if you love the martian you'll love this book so perhaps it's a return to form ah so the martian artemis and project hail mary is the new one yes okay. also for octavia butler fans <gasps> her lilith's brood series which has for years been available it's never been out of print but the editions available were kind of self-published or little known publishers so they, they kind of look knock offy even if they weren't finally has a major publisher home and brand new covers and brand new beautiful editions which is totally what it deserves so that would be a great series to discover this summer if you've not read it and suitable for someone who now has a mars landing spot named after her so really yes i did not know that um, another cool. fun one in sci-fi, which is kind of also romance, Casey McQuiston, who wrote uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue, yeah, has a LGBTQ time-traveling romance called One Last Stop, which huh. I think is also going to be a great summer read. I've heard great things about Red, White, and Royal Blue. I love a time-travel book. This woman sees another woman on the subway. She's very intrigued. The other woman is dressed like a 70s punk. Turns out she's not just dressed like a 70s punk. She is a 70s punk, so complications ensue. (laughs) (laughs) Time travel books, they can be done really well. Well, and I I should say, sometimes I think my brain is the problem because I overthink it. You have to just go with it, but I still say it's a talented writer when 
either they explain things to the point or just how they write it. Like, you don't go, wait a minute, this seems like this would go against the laws of physics as we know them. Yes. So in your bookstore, is that one shelved with sci-fi or is it shelved with romance? It's going to be shelved with romance. But for the time travel aspect, I thought, eh. uh-huh. especially for fun, uh-huh. yeah, it kind of could go either way. But I know what you mean about time travel, Carrie, because sometimes if I think about, for example, the plot of The Terminator too much, <laughs> then I kind of give myself a headache because it's like, at what point in the future do they realize that the Terminator they sent before isn't working and they need to send another Terminator? Yeah. Like, I enjoy them while they're growing on, but after I think about it too long, then I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, what about thrillers? So, mysteries, you know, I love. Mm-hmm. My particular sweet spot are, like, the darker the better. So some of them might be darker than the average person would like. But first of all, I should say that Stacey Abrams has a book out. She's been an author all along. If you didn't know that, she has multiple romance books under the nom de plume Selena Montgomery. But this is her first novel that she's written under her own name. And this is her first legal thriller. And it's called While Justice Sleeps. Huh. I didn't know it was a thriller. I knew she'd written romance. Support her, you know. Buy yourself this book. Wow. Well, I had seen that and I was kind of confused because I was like, this seems out of left field. But apparently I'm the one who's in left field because I didn't know she was a writer. And how she could find time to write novels and do all the other great things that she's doing, that's what blows my mind. Yeah. But other things I'm looking forward to and have already enjoyed, some of them. Uh, Laura Lipman has a new one, which is fantastic, called Dream Girl. It's kind of an homage a little bit to Misery. Oh. A, a best-selling author has an accident where there's a head injury involved, and then he starts receiving mysterious phone calls as he's recuperating, and the woman on the other end of the line identifies herself as his protagonist from his best-selling book, someone who doesn't actually exist. And so he starts to wonder, am I more injured than I thought? Is the Alzheimer's that runs in my family coming into play? Or is someone really trying to get me? Super dark. Very fun. Lots of biting social commentary because the guy is, let's be honest, kind of an asshole. <laughs> well, I remember when you were here to do the summer episode last year, you talked about a Laura Lippman book, yes. Lady in the Lake, which is now being turned into a limited series or a movie. I'm not yes. sure which one. It's hard to keep up with which is which. I know. I believe it's a limited series. Which you is very cool. Dream Girl. Yes. Okay. And I think someone we've talked about before who's also one of my favorites is Megan Abbott. Mm. And she has a new one coming out. Again, super dark, called The Turnout, which has a ballet setting. I describe it as the Nutcracker meets V.C. Andrews. Ooh, and we know how you feel about Nutcrackers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it's about two sisters and one of their husbands who own a small ballet company during Nutcracker season, which is, of course, like, it's like their big time. And they're also taking on remodeling their studio. And then the contractor turns out to be, well, you know, there's something up with him. So a lot of ballet stuff. It's very dark, as I've said a couple of times now. If you like her other work or if you enjoyed her TV show, Dare Me, you'll definitely like this one. What's Dare Me? Dare Me is cheerleader noir. (laughs) Cheerleader noir. (laughs) Yeah, she's a showrunner and it was on AMC, I think. And it had one season then was canceled because of the pandemic. And I don't know that they'll get back to it. But um, it was based on her book. It's about competitive cheerleading and how one coach kind of has a, a an unhealthy influence over her team and you know might have influenced them to do things that aren't right hmm. honestly i think 
books like that could be written about any sports. Agreed. No. 110%. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of interesting to have a book about the Nutcracker, which is usually a holiday kind of thing, come out in the summer. That's kind of an interesting It is. But choice. I think because it's so dark, they thought, oh, holiday read? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't know about that. That is uh, And lots true. of people like myself really like a mystery in the summertime. Yes. So yes. I think that was probably their thought. Yeah. Uh, another new one coming at the end of August is Slow Fire Burning, which is the new one by Paula Hawkins. Mm. It's good. I have read it. It's about a man who dies and then there are four women in his life and they're all trying to figure out who exactly he was because he turned out to not be who any of them thought he was. Mm. So lots of uh, different points of view, and there's a like a big twist at the end. Her fans will really enjoy that one. So when you said lots of different points of view, some people, when it switches, depending on how it switches between chapters, like some people, they get confused. So is this is it well done in that you won't necessarily be? I think the characters are unique enough that people won't be confused because there are varying. Like one's uh, the lonely woman who lives next door. One's a woman he may or may not be involved with. So, you know, I think they're pretty distinct. Okay. But I know of the reader you speak. Um, <laughs> my dad is one of those readers. He can't stand that. Yeah. yeah. Another thing new out in paperback is The Silent Patient. Mm. And yes. Alex Michaelides has a new book coming called The Maidens, which sounds fantastic, especially for people who maybe like the secret history because it sounds like it's dark academia mixed in with a mystery, a professor who may or may not have done something bad. And I'm expecting another big seller for this because The Silent Patient was huge. It was another one of those that just lingered in hardcover forever. So I look forward to reading that myself. We read Silent Patient for a book club and I, I enjoyed it. I don't read a whole lot of thrillers and maybe that's why like when I do read one I'm like oh this is very exciting because it's not my normal thing and it's very you know different. And you were going to ask? Oh I was going to ask if if you know of any actual you know what we would call beach reads like there always seems to be some that you know are actually at the beach or about summer. Like was or... it one called last year beach read? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great segue, Carrie, because that author has a new one <laughs> called The People We Met on Vacation. And oh, wow. the people who've read it at Carmichael's, and there's like four or five of them now, all think she's terrific. Not only is she like the plot just like super satisfying, but also she does characters very well. So it's not just like big dumb fun, okay. which is sometimes what you want in the summer, yeah. admittedly. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Weiner also has a new one coming uh, called That Summer. So mm-hmm. pretty on the nose. <laughs> Malibu Rising is the new one by Taylor Jenkins Reid, the woman oh, who wrote yeah. Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah. That sounds super fun. It's in my 2 be red stack. I haven't made it to it yet. But it's like about an exclusive party that goes wrong. Like the kind so exclusive, you know you're invited if you even know where it is. You know. Is it like Hollywood based? Do you know? Well, it's it like in stars? California. Oh, okay. I think it actually, one of the protagonists is a rock star. So oh. mm-hmm. not necessarily Hollywood, but, actually, you know, super mm-hmm. celeb. Mm-hmm. And the party gets out of hand. <laughs> Because a lot of her books seem to be about rock stars, or she had yes. one that Music. was like a famous actress. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's definitely her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes I think when we say beach read, we're thinking of beach reads for women. But I, I would throw out, not that John Grisham needs my help, but John Grisham <laughs> has some new book called Suli. And it's not a mystery. It's about, uh, it's a sports story about mm-hmm. a basketball player who was born in Sudan and then comes to America and becomes a basketball player. So apparently it's feel good. I have not read it, but could be a, a, a good beach read for sports fans. Is it like based on a true st- story? Is it fiction or is it? It's fiction. 
Okay. I, I don't know if he was inspired by a particular player or just by this, you know, there's lots of great stories of people who've come over from the Sudan and made success uh-huh. here. So I don't know. Uh-huh. Well, that's cool. I like that. The, the male beach read. Exactly. <laughs> don't leave anybody out. In nonfiction, there's lots of good stuff. Malcolm Gladwell has a new one called Bomber Mafia. And it's World War II. So Malcolm Gladwell, Mr. Tipping Point, meets World War II. I mean, just slap a bow on it and call it Father's Day as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, check. Done. Also, the James Brown, the gentleman who had the boys in the boat, yes. has a new one called Facing the Mountain, which is about Japanese-American heroes during World War II. Also, some of them who were interned and some of whom their families were interned, but they were fighting. So mm-hmm. he tells lots of stories of that time. Mm-hmm. And the, the gentleman who wrote The Hidden Life of Trees, which was that big nature book about four or five years ago, has a new one called The Heartbeat of Trees. Sure. So if you're going to get out and about or do some camping, that might be a great thing to read outdoors. There's lots of tree books out now, lots of fungi books out now, lots of new bird books. So I feel like, I don't know if that's pandemic related or just a trend that would have happened regardless, just because more people had, maybe they spent more time outside or uh-huh. maybe considered things that hadn't been considered. They slowed down a little bit mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Me, certainly. I started to read much more nature writing right. over the pandemic. The last several years kind of wanted this this calmness. Not everybody does, but I felt like the pandemic gave more people who may have wanted to, who didn't have the opportunity before, the chance to kind of slow down and see what life was like when they weren't running at 160 miles per hour all the time. Absolutely. And I wonder going forward too, if those people will find that, you know, lots of things we got thrown overboard and probably won't be picked up again because they realized, I don't really even like to do that anymore. (laughs) And one more history I was going to recommend just because we're in Kentucky is uh, Blood and Treasure, which is a Daniel Boone book. The subtitle is Daniel Boone and the Fight for America's First Frontier. It's written by two historians, Bob Drury and Tom Clavin, who have lots of uh, history writing experience between them. And it promises to be like a a new look at an old hero, like no coonskin cap, you know, (laughs) like what really happened. You know, one of the things which I had forgotten, if I ever knew it at all, was that Daniel Boone was a Revolutionary War hero. Mm. I didn't remember that. So, and I live in Kentucky. Again, that might also might be a great Father's Day present if Dad is into history. history. And that's that one's already out. It is okay. Well, we're, our our family we're still just doing like a Kentucky trip, but we're going down to Red River Gorge and Daniel Boone National Forest. So that might be a good book for me to check out. You know, read it as I'm <laughs> in the forest. Maybe we could send a copy to Lin Manuel Miranda. Maybe he'd make a musical. Oh, called... that would be. Boone. Boone. <laughs> I like this plan. Cool. cool. <laughs> I'm all in. Get the address book. Quick. <laughs> Graphic novel. There's a new Alison Bechtel. It's called Secret to Superhuman Strength. Okay. Um, this one kind of goes in a different way. It's not personal as far as uh, family related. It's personal as far as she's been an athlete all along, apparently. Who knew? So she's has always been very into fitness and tried diets and w- workout plans, et cetera, et cetera. And this particular book highlights that journey. So a little, it's a little something different. I heard her talk about this with Terry Gross oh. on Fresh Air, and it was interesting. And there's also a fun one that I liked, speaking of fun, called The Begging Chart, which is by an artist named Keeler Roberts. And she writes like very simple one or two panel cartoons a lot and they're very much about interior stuff or family stuff and that's always what she's done it it wasn't pandemic related but I was reading them during the pandemic and found them very of the moment whether she meant it or not and it's just like 
you know, there'll be a, a couple of stories about like her and her daughter or, you know, her and this thing. It's just very quiet, which is not something I normally associate with graphic novels. I don't read them heavily, but normally I think of them as having bigger, bolder stories. But this is a little bit more quiet one. So that's brand new and very interesting. There's also one by Barry Windsor Smith, who's been an illustrator of superhero graphic novels forever, like one of the, the giants of that. And he has one simply called Monsters, exclamation point, mm. um, which is like a retelling of the Frankenstein myth, but it throws in other monsters from myth as well. Oh, that's totally true. And some, yeah, some okay. of them are like Hollywood monster type things, make guest appearances and things too. You know, a big hardcover. Apparently he's been working on it. It's one of those things like, you know, he's been illustrating all these other books for other people. He has had one or two books of his under his own name, but mostly he's just an illustrator. So this is like the thing he's been working on in his free time for like the past 10 or 15 oh, wow. years. So it's been a long time coming. So his fans are super, super stoked about that one. I'm not even like a fan and I'm like, ooh, that sounds really <laughs> good. Most like for me, but also because again, I've got a 13 year old son and trying to get books in his hands and I'm like, ooh, monsters, graphic novel. It's a win. Check. You guys asked about cookbooks. Then there's not tons of new, like, summary things that I would think of. But some of them seem to be, uh, I don't know if they're pandemic adjacent or just, again, timing. But uh, Molly Baz has a new one called Cook This Book, which is a really great primer. It would make a great graduation gift, for example. Because it, and it's not, like, a, as simple and dumbed down as, like, some of the college cookbooks that are often sold this time of year. But it's talking about like thinking whole brain and first it starts with organizing your kitchen, what you need. It's one of those cookbooks that has the recipes timed out for you, which I find incredibly helpful. Instead of just telling you what needs to happen, it tells you all the things that need to be happening at the same time, mm. which can be helpful if you're just learning to cook or if timing is a problem for you. Like the vegetables are done, but the meat's still not done. I need that book in my <laughs> life. That's why I like one dish or one pot meals because yes. I don't have to juggle. Yes. That is like so much brain work. And I know that anybody who's like Amy and enjoys cooking or is a good cook is like, what's your problem? But I'm like, oh my gosh, like carrots and meat and bread too much. Yeah. I find that very hard in the way, I think there's an assumption the way many cookbooks are written that you're gonna, already going to do that mental planning without them spelling it out on the page. And I don't think that's, Everybody who cooks is there. So I think that's incredibly helpful. Hmm. One of my favorites, Nigella Lawson has a new one. I think Nigella's great. I've always thought she's great. And this one is called Cook, Eat, Repeat. And it's all about the recipes that you come back to again and again. So no like elaborate feasts, no like once a year kind of meals. These are the kind of things that you would make just every Tuesday. She used to have a fun cooking show. It's it's not being produced anymore, but if anybody ever wanted to go back and I find check her out very charming and refreshing and she seems yeah. obviously she's a celebrity what i'm seeing might not be real but she seems very down to earth and just very you know she understands like sometimes you just need to eat frozen cookie dough yeah. sometimes <laughs> you can call popcorn dinner yeah. like she seems like she understands that yeah. um, there's also a good one which is beautiful to look at because it's lavishly illustrated called chef's garden and it's by get this farmer lee jones <laughs> And Farmer is his actual name. Oh, God! <laughs> I don't know which came first, if the farm came first, and it, or his name came first. I don't know. But uh, it's terrific vegetarian, well, vegetables cookbook. So if you 
you know, or wondering what to do with the plethora of squash that's forthcoming or the million tomatoes that are coming. And like I said, it's just a gorgeous, for people who love just a gorgeous cookbook, it's beautiful. I'll have to check that out because I do, I, sometimes I get a CSA or sometimes I just buy things at the farmer's market that look interesting. And then I'm like, okay, now what do I, exactly. what do I do with this? I am actually, for the first time ever, I'm growing vegetables. So I may have like a plethora of cucumbers. And so that, that book might be where I need to look. I tried a CSA and I enjoyed it just for the challenge you were speaking of, Amy. But I also found like it was a little bit of pressure. It was. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know what to do with this eggplant. I've never made eggplant <laughs> in my life. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fun because I like sort of exploring yes. like, well, how would I make this? But I find even the smallest <laughs> share, at least for me, was too much for my family, mainly because there's only two of us who eat very many vegetables. But also, like, to try to use them up before they yes. It's like the countdown. Bad. You pick up your share and the countdown clock starts. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <"Da-da." laughs> yes. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Well, yeah. and the thing is, my neighbor and I split, uh, like, a CSA thing. We And fortunately, like, this CSA is big enough that we can pick and choose what we want. So they will say, here's what we're planning on sending you. But if you don't like this, then you can substitute stuff. And inevitably, I mean, there are just some vegetables. We're not going to eat these, right? So I'd rather substitute it and get something, you know, because, like, parsnips. I don't know what to do with a parsnip. (laughs) I have no idea. And beets, I have very bad memories of growing up in the 80s. And having beets out of a can put, like, I cannot. Beets out of a can are horrible. But fresh beets that are roasted with a goat cheese salad, yum. (laughs) Do we have any YA? I do have one great YA that I'm really looking forward to, which is part of the Jimmy Patterson series. I don't know if you're familiar. James Patterson has an imprint for younger readers called Jimmy Patterson. This one's called Daughter of Sparta. It's by Claire Andrews. It comes out the beginning of June. And it's about a daughter of Sparta who has to go on an adventure. And if you know anything about Spartan history, you know that's not the way it worked. It was the men who were the fighters. And the women were famously from mythology saying, bring your shield home or be on your shield. Mm. So they were fierce in and of themselves, but they weren't generally the ones going to do the fighting. So this is a little bit of a mythology with a twist. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Maybe that will soothe my, I need a new Madeline Miller book and she's not writing fast enough itch. So I have a question about this Jimmy Patterson. So they're not all written by him. None of them are written by him. Okay. He chooses them. And then most of the time they're debut or lesser known authors. Oh, that's awesome. There was one that was based on Native American mythology. Often there's a mythology type base. Obviously they're trying to compete or be a, a... an op- a different option from the Rick Riordan mm-hmm. mythology type stuff too. But no, it's him championing other authors. Okay. In this case, fully, unlike when he shares authorship of a mystery and his <laughs> name is this big, I'm gesturing to 20 point type <laughs> and their name is five point yeah. type. Yeah. And I don't really know how that, like that sharing and co-writing thing works in the first place. But kudos to him for championing new debut or emerging authors. And kudos for those authors for championing, you know, new stories or new ways of looking at old stories. So I'm really looking for that one. In other kids' books, there's a middle grade one that sounds super great to me called The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh, which comes out in August. It's about a boy who harbors dreams of becoming a stand-up comedian, but he has a stutter. And so his new plan going to middle school is he's not going to say anything, which is probably as bad a plan as stuttering. (laughs) 
because you get noticed if you don't ever say anything. So how he combats both his stuttering and the bully who decides to pick on him and get closer to his comedy dreams is what this book is all about. And I look forward to reading that one. And who is that by? Helen Rudder is her name. Helen Rudder. Okay. And then someone you may have heard of has a new picture book coming out. Uh, that would be Megan, the Duchess of Sussex. Oh. It's oh. called The Bench. And it's about a lovely story about a father-son. So perhaps inspired by her husband and son? Huh. Maybe. I did not know that she was getting into the children's well, book world. They aren't yes. getting dollars from the, <laughs> from the crown anymore. So they got to. Well, and speaking of blurbs on books, her author blurb is very interesting. And you would give have a laugh if you look it up at some point. Has lives in California with her husband and son and a bunch of friendly chickens, I think is how it works. <laughs> as if anyone's fooled. Right. <laughs> um, as far as local authors with new stuff. Crystal Wilkinson, who's our Kentucky Poet Laureate, has a new poetry collection out, which is super exciting. It comes out in August. She has had poetry chapbooks before, but this is her first major book of poetry, which is fantastic. And we hope to have her, fingers crossed, at for event at Carmichael's. Can I ask a question? I say I'm a book lover, and yet I am not sure what the difference is between a chat book and just a regular book of poetry. What is the difference between those two things? Well, a chat book is generally published either self-published or published by a very small press and they're the super thin tiny ones oh i think if we officially took a time out and looked it up it probably has to do with the number of poems included like a chapbook would it's sort of like the novella of poetry oh okay okay and you guys already mentioned another thing i was going to bring up as far as new local stuff which is just a few miles south which is we don't michael's cookbook for those of you who don't live in kentucky she's kind of uh, kentucky foodie royalty she has a bunch of restaurants all over the state and she's finally compiled after many many years of and request compiled a bunch of the famous recipes those restaurants are known for and put them all together in a book with an introduction by silas house so it's a really, really nice volume. Uh, it would make a great gift if someone in your life likes cookbooks. And another thing that's interesting about it is that all the illustrations are done by a tattoo artist from Lexington, Kentucky, which I just think is interesting. Maybe there's lots of books that are illustrated by <laughs> tattooed artists. I have no idea. But it seemed very cool to me. That is cool. Yeah. I did not know that. And if we can claim Indiana as local... And I'm saying in this case, sure. Um, There's one that's getting lots of good reviews and on lots of must-read summer lists called Somebody's Daughter by Ashley Ford. comes out at the beginning of June. Uh, She's actually from Indianapolis. It's a memoir about growing up black with an estranged family in Indiana. Hmm. So apparently the writing is amazing. And like I said, it's making waves and making it on lots of must-read this summer lists. So if memoir fans, be sure to look for that one. Cool. And then one other local that I was going to mention that actually came out in the springtime, uh, Lexington author David Arnold has a new YA book called Electric Kingdom, which is a philosophical post-apocalyptic YA with a dog. Oh, well, you had me lost until the dog part. (laughs) Now she's paying attention. (laughs) I've never, never heard of him. He's terrific. I have not read this one, but I've read his earlier books, and he's a really, really great stylist, like beautiful, beautiful writer. If you like post-apocalyptic or if you like to dip your toes in YA, that would be a great one to look mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. All right. Anything else? That's what I had. All right. That's a whole slew. Ooh. What are you guys looking forward to? Just to get through my library hold that I have right now, I am, I am backed up. 
for people not who don't live in Louisville, our public library just reopened to in-person browsing. So they had been doing curbside, which I had been taking advantage of. And I make them laugh every time when I call from the Carmichael's phone because they're like, <laughs> you're calling from Carmichael's to get a book at the library? <laughs> I'm like, yes, don't judge me. <laughs> but now if you can go in for in-person browsing, then yes, I've also found... Uh, my stack getting taller because I go to pick up the one I have reserved, but then maybe three or four more caught yeah, my eye. You sort of browse. And, and then, it's just delightful to be in the space again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am excited to read like a bunch of these books. And even though Amy told me I should stop using Goodreads while we're recording, I am going to add a lot of those to my list. So thank you for You're sharing. You're very welcome. Them. It's what I do. <laughs> back with Carrie and our favorite bookseller Sam Miller and we're going to talk a little bit about what we're reading. Carrie what's up? Uh, well before I go into what I'm reading I really feel like we ought to make Sam a shirt that says our favorite bookseller. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right so I am going to talk briefly. I, I just started a book and I'm not sure how I feel about it at this point but I'm only five chapters in. It's called Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Uh, I'm listening to it on an audiobook. And the reason I bring it up is because Sam talked about like summer reads. And this book, it's a family that is going on vacation. But I think like it's a thriller, at least from what I don't know a whole lot about it. When I pick wine, I pick based on how the bottle looks. I go, oh, that's a cool bottle. And I pick this one because it's seven hours in length which is for an adult book that's on the shorter end so that's why i picked this book but it is you know like a family is going on vacation at this point i don't know what else is going to happen but uh there was a chapter about groceries so i i'm hoping that it picks up a little bit from that (laughs) you're really selling this book (laughs) i know well you know sometimes books start out one way and then they do what you don't expect but i do want to talk about a book that i finished recently i read state of wonder by ann patchett that is our book club book for this month i really like that book i have read several ann patchett books but i really enjoyed this book it takes place in brazil there we go and this researcher has to go down there because her colleague her co-worker went down because another researcher at the company has been studying, apparently there's this plant and they want to make a drug from it. And it has properties that affect fertility. And so her colleague went down there and died. And so the boss of the company sends her down. Now why the boss himself doesn't go down and figure out what happened, you know, I guess there wouldn't be a very good story. So she goes down and her name's Marina. And so there's this primary researcher who like, she won't really give updates on how the research is going and what's going to happen. And so Marina gets down there and she discovers all sorts of <laughs> unusual things. The character that I really liked the most was Dr. Swenson. And she's the primary researcher who like won't give updates about what the research is saying on this plant and what it can do. I found her really super interesting because she's definitely like prickly, you know, she's kind of set in her ways. And as the book progresses, you realize just how complex she is. 
like you think that she's the type of person who follows to some extent a certain code of behavior and then you realize like wow she is like, like she does some things that are not necessarily horrible but definitely questionable so I found it a really quick read. I enjoyed it. I can't wait to talk about it. Book club. There's something I want to tell Amy about it, but she isn't far. Enough. I know. I'm 75 percent of the <laughs> way through. Because I told her that there was something. So I read the book and I was like, "Oh, this is so great." And the one of the things is that it's fiction, but it sucked me in so much that I was actually taking it as truth. Right? There's these people who live in the Amazon in this story who use this plant and it affects their fertility in a certain way and so I totally I was like oh there's you know like in my head even (laughs) though I know it's fiction in my head I'm going oh there's these people and there's this plant and down there and they have this weird it totally totally was believable but then after I finished the book I read an interview with Ann Patchett and she told something about when she wrote this book and I was like Really? I mean, (laughs) it was something that she made up. And because she did such a great job writing it and totally making it believable, when I read this, I was like, are you kidding? And I really want to tell Amy, but I can't You can't tell me yet. I know. I'm almost done. It's infuriating. This is infuriating. So anyway, but I would recommend that book. What it's going to make a great book club discussion, I can tell. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. All right, Sam, what have you been reading? Well, two recent favorites. One by it's called Northern Spy by Flynn Berry. It's a mystery. She has written other mysteries, but they were like dark, foggy, British mysteries. Yeah. With this one, she pivots away to Northern Ireland and the Troubles, which, although we think are over, aren't. And her protagonist is a producer at the BBC and as she's reviewing an IRA attack footage on security camera she sees her sister so is thrown into a dilemma does she have a spy in the family and she has to figure out what to do from there it's suspenseful it's heartbreaking but I'm not a huge espionage reader but I don't think I've ever read one that had kitchen table stakes if you will usually it's the fate of the world or whatever But this is about the fate of the family and the fate of the sister's relationship. You know, it addresses how people are able to do things that on the surface seem unbelievable. Like this loving, wonderful person that you know could never do this. Mm -hmm. And it shows how that person might have, you know, chosen that path. Like what what happened to, to make them do that? That was very, very interesting. That one sounds up my alley. It's really, I read a lot of Irish books. It's really, it really like. good. And she's, I mean, I've loved all of her stuff, but I was really surprised by this pivot because it was completely different than any of her previous stuff. Another one that I've really enjoyed is YA called Yoke, like an egg yolk. Oh, I've heard of that one. By Mary H.K. Choi, who I love. I love all of her books. Mary's just fantastic at drawing characters. She's great at Twitter patient and romance. Um, she's great at families. It's just terrific. Love it, love it, love it. It's about two sisters who are from Texas and they move to New York and then they become estranged. The younger one is kind of drifting through her quarter life crisis, like she's having bad relationships and making bad decisions. And then her older sister reaches out to her because she's gotten sick, seriously sick. And so it's a great book about family and how indispensable and also infuriating it is, how there's nobody 
in the world that you have a relationship with, like your sibling. And, you know, it's just lovely. And there's a little bit of romance thrown in. So it's just one of those great books that's a little bit about everything. I love all of her books, but Yoke is, was really, really terrific. I don't see where a yolk comes in, but... You have to read that. Y-O-L-K. <laughs> yes. Okay. Like an egg yolk. All right. But well. what I'm reading right now is um, I just, like halfway through, it's called The Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. It's, it's two stories. One is about a female aviatrix who goes missing in the Arctic, a la Earhart. And then the other one is a present day story of an actress who wants to play that aviatrix in a movie to restart her career, which she's set on fire with her bad behavior and bad choices. So I gave it to my stepmother for Mother's Day and we're doing a two woman book club. So she's on a golf trip right now. So hopefully she's reading it so we can discuss it when we're both finished. I like it. I'm like halfway through a little less historically feeling than I was anticipating, which is a good thing because this author really writes history as if it's happening today. It doesn't feel fusty or like old fashioned. It feels like the the tone of the two time periods does not change, which I think is very interesting. So I'm intrigued about how the the big circle is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. I, I think I've said before, I really like books that have a, a cast a wide net and I like to see how the author draws it all together or doesn't in, the, in cases of ones that don't succeed. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that one goes. All right. Well, Amy, <laughs> I feel like you had the same problem this week as last week. Like, what are you reading? Oh, well, I'm reading too much. <laughs> well, too I'm going to talk about a book that I read maybe a month ago and just haven't had a chance to talk about yet, okay. but that I really enjoyed. And it's a book that came out in December of 2020 called The Mystery of Mrs. Christie by Marie Benedict. And so this is a book for all the Agatha Christie or mystery fans out there because this book is literally about Agatha Christie. And Marie Benedict gives us a historically fictionalized version of a very perplexing period of Agatha Christie's life. Christie was married twice. Her first marriage was not a particularly happy one. And during her first marriage, she disappeared for 11 days without a trace. And the local police and even Scotland Yard were called in to help find her. And when she finally turned up at a seaside resort, she had no recollection of what happened to her. So in this book, the reader is presented with two timelines. We get Agatha Christie's timeline from when she was a young woman up until the time when she disappears. So we learn all about her romance with her first husband about having her her well her only child and then the second timeline is the 11 days of her disappearance and this is from the point of view of her her first husband the book was interesting because it's sort of a meta experience right it's a mystery about the famous mystery writer and it gives us a peek inside of a marriage and I did do a little research about this true story while I was reading it because I was curious about how much of this is based on fact, and the author uses a lot of accurate information from that time and had gone through her journals and diaries and things like that. But I always have a little bit of a hesitancy about reading historical fiction about someone who was a real person because I always wonder, I don't know, like I'm always wondering how much of this is made up, but does it really matter if I enjoy it? I don't know that it does. But in this case, the author's speculating about what actually happened to Christy during that disappearance. And it's an educated guess based on research. But she did mention in the afterword that she had used those journal entries to write it, but that Christy never mentions those 11 days and anything that she ever wrote in her journals 
um, in newspaper articles, nothing. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. For me, it was a page turner. It was a fun read. And Agatha Christie's disappearance was a little piece of knowledge that I found intriguing and something that I had never heard of until uh, just recently. And I think that if you were an Agatha Christie fan, this is really a must read for you. And I want to read more by this author. Marie Benedict was formerly a lawyer at a prestigious law firm in New York City, but decided that she wanted to write. So she writes primarily historical fiction. And what she does is dig up the stories of important women in history who may have been forgotten or weren't given their due. So some of her other subjects have been Hedy Lamarr, who was a famous golden age of Hollywood actress, but she was also a scientist and an inventor. And then she also has one about Einstein's wife, who was also a physicist herself, but that we never hear about. Hmm. So I enjoyed it. So maybe that would be a good summer read for somebody who that likes sounds like mystery. My mom is a huge mystery fan and has read, I mean, like every... Maybe it's widely known among Agatha Christie fans that she disappeared for 11 days. I did not know it. Mm. I there, thought it was interesting. There is a movie, too. Oh, is there? Called Agatha. Oh. From, I think it was from the 70s or early 80s. Oh, okay. About, that also speculated what happened. But I don't think their speculation is the same as what's yeah. speculated in the book. This is it. We've given everyone a lot of books to think about. And we hope you enjoy your summer. You can find a list of all the books, podcasts, movies, and TV shows we talk about on our website. You don't need to have a pencil and a paper sitting right next to you to write down all the titles you hear us mention. For show notes for any episode, go to our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. The show notes are also included on the description of the episode on your podcast player. And if you like what we're doing with the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help people find us. Do you know another great way to get the word out? Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. The more ratings we have, the more likely that our show will pop up for listeners looking for bookish podcasts. And writing a review is great too. If you leave a review, we'll read it on the air. Thanks for joining us this week. Follow us on Facebook at The Perks of Being a Book Lover or Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives at forwardradio.org.